Greetings, Retreat Church, and Happy New Year to you. You know, there's a lot of questions that we're asking this time of year. In fact, my wife Susan, she um, told me that um, the most Googled word for 2020 was why. Isn't that amazing? And um, I think it's a great question. Um, we don't always get the answer we want when we start asking the question why, especially in regards to the question why God. You know, I've had in my Christian experience, a lot of questions for the Lord, a lot of questions on why God would you do this, or why would God do that, or or why would God, why would God? You know, those questions are very difficult, and the answers are not always um, satisfying. The answers are not always easy. Um, in fact, I, I'm a firm believer that God, He doesn't always explain Himself. Um, sometimes He does in in when we look at the scriptures, there's some things that that are that are there that He's revealed to us that He said this is why, and there are other things that um, that we just don't understand the reasons why, and so that's a big faith challenge, isn't it? Especially when we live in a world where we're constantly googling why and we constantly want to know why, and and why is a really good question. It, it's it's an appropriate question. It's it's a question that sometimes. Um, we really need to have answered so that we can know how to move forward. And so that question of why is very, very challenging. And I'm sure that you have a lot of why questions for God. And in the middle of this uh, pandemic and, and what we're dealing with, I think it's becoming important for Christians and important for the church to kind of go back and say, well, why are we doing this in the first place? Why, why are we doing this thing? called church? Why do we live in this community? Why are we a part of a local church? And why is there the church to begin with? And does God answer that question? Does God, in his word, answer the question of why he formed this entity, this body that he calls the body of Christ, the, the church, which the Greek word ekklesia? Why, why is God doing that? Why do we see in the story um, in Acts the church being birthed and beginning in its infancy to, to unfold and change the entire world. Why would God create a church for me, for you, for us to embrace and for us to be a part of? Why would God do that? I believe that we have uh, here at the Retreat Church have searched the scriptures for the better part of 2020. As we set out in 2020, we set out to answer that question. That, that was our question for the year, that why would God create a church to begin with? And then out of that sense of that answer that he provides, we're starting to learn why God has created this local church that we call the Retreat Church. So what we're going to do for the next five weeks is we're going to look at five revealed answers to why God has created this entity, this body of Christ that we know of as the church. And whether you participate um, in the local church at the retreat or you re participate in another local church, I hope to strengthen your resolve as to why you do that. And so let's look right away at this first reason as we start this series, Our Why, looking at five reasons why God created the church. The first one for this week is that God is calling people to live on the foundation of Jesus' identity. That's a big answer, isn't it? It's a very big answer. In fact, it's a very significant answer. And notice that what we're going to talk about today is all about the identity of Jesus, that this body of Christ is based on his identity and that all that we do as part of the local church and how we operate as a church is founded on 
that identity, the identity of Jesus Christ. The passage that we're going to dive into this week is Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 18. And we're going to make four ops or five observations based upon that text today, and we'll move through. But let's read it in its entirety, first of all. Starting in verse 13, it says, Now when Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, Who do people say that the Son of Man is? And they said to him, Some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So as Jesus began to ask his disciples, who are people saying that I am? And then who do you say that I am? And then when Peter just nailed it, he gets the answer exactly right. You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You are the anointed one. You are the Messiah. That you are the appointed one. That's the word Christ. And you are the Son of of God. And then Jesus makes this statement, on this rock I will build my church. He wasn't saying that he was going to build the rock on Peter. That is a massive misnomer. And you can note it by the language of the text. Peter's name is Petros. It means little rock. When Jesus says on this rock, he uses the word Petra, which means big rock. Yeah, on this big rock, this statement of my identity, Jesus says, is where I'm going to build my church. This is going to be the foundation of my body. This is going to be the foundation of all that I call into this body. And you know the word ecclesia is the word church here is the word that is that means those that are called out. That God is calling people out of a worldly existence and beginning to ask them to found their life, their existence on his identity. And this group of people that we call the ecclesia, this body of Christ, the church is to found our identity on the identity of Jesus. Now, let's make a few observations if we're going to dig into this answer that Jesus is giving us. The first observation is this. The question, who is Jesus, is an important historical and theological question. It's important for all of the reasons that maybe we don't even think about. And here are just a few. Answering the question of who is Jesus really determines how you and I are going to understand the nature of humanity. It really is. And I know that that's like a big statement and some of you are like, can you unpack that for a moment? If we unpack that in its entirety, that's going to be a whole message series on itself. But just know that how, as you view Jesus will determine how you view humanity. And that has to do with a lot of areas of creation and who and what mankind is. Um, is it a series of random events that have led through evolution that have led you just guideless and, and, and meaninglessly into who we are as humanity? Or do we actually have a creator who is communicating to us and revealing himself to us through Jesus Christ so that we can have a relationship with our creator? So understanding Jesus and his identity really determines how you and I are going to view the nature of humanity. And if that's a big Thing for you that leads to more questions and answers, I ask you to dive in directly to that question or connect with me at retreatchurch.com. I'd love to sit with you and to talk more about that. But also this question determines how we relate to God as creator and Lord. 
Because if we view Jesus as the revealer, as the Christ, as the Son of God, if we believe that when Jesus says, as you've seen me, I've seen the Father, as Jesus said, through me, you will know the Father. If we go along with Jesus on his claims of his own identity, and we believe that and accept that, then Jesus himself is going to determine how you and I relate to God. But if you believe in God, but you don't believe in Jesus, you're, you're left to figure this stuff out on your own. How are you going to relate to God absent of Jesus? You're going to have to figure that out. And there's a lot of other answers there. And you have to do the research and you have to ask yourself the question, which avenue towards God is the most viable based upon the evidence? You're going to have to do that work. I've done that work. I can help you with that work. Most pastors can help you with that work as well. And most of your Christian friends hopefully can help you with that as well. Also answering this question is going to determine how you live your daily life. You might, if you don't believe in Jesus, then you're probably throwing out his entire ethic. You're throwing out his entire moral moral standing and moral teaching. You're going to live according to a different ethic and a different moral perspective. And so if you answer this question that Jesus is in fact Lord, you're going to live your daily life following Jesus as Lord. If you reject Jesus as Lord, you're going to be the Lord of your own life and you're going to call the own shots and determine things for yourself. But how you answer this question of who is Jesus will determine how you answer and live your daily life. And lastly, I believe that answering this question of who is Jesus provides hope for eternal existence. Being that Jesus is who exactly who he said he was, then I can have hope because he told me and he tells us in scripture that he is leading us through death to life and he has conquered the grave. And as we believe that, and as he is the firstborn, and that we will follow him in that understanding Jesus will give us hope for our eternal existence. Second observation would be this, according to the text in verse 14. There, are all, there always has been and always will be conflicting views concerning the identity of Jesus. Every world religion, even those religions that existed before Jesus, want a piece of Jesus. They, they want somehow Jesus to fit into their religious worldview. Um, but they, none of them, none of them, You again, this message might prompt you to all sorts of avenues of study, but one of them might be, doing a comparative search on what do the world religions say about Jesus and where does the evidence lead? Where does, where does it point to Jesus' own um, descriptions of himself and his own life? Where does that point to? And I believe that if you do that research, you'll see that every world religion, though they want a piece of Jesus, they don't want the Jesus as described by Jesus himself. They want to make up their own Jesus. And that is one of the major problems of our culture today is that we want to throw out what Jesus said about himself in his identity, but we want his morality, we want his ethics, we want his love, and we want his compassion, but we, 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 we don't really want to fit and surrender to his full identity. And that's a very interesting place if you're there today. I invite you to just dive into the four Gospels and get to know what Jesus says about himself. Because there are so many conflicting views and so many made-up views. In fact, some people would say there's the Jesus of history and there's the Jesus of faith. And there's not, those don't always um, connect 
well with one another. And so dive in, read the four Gospels, read those early church fathers, really get a hold of the identity of Jesus and so that you can understand because there are so many conflicting views and all of them have this kind of place where people have made them up for themselves except for the Christian view of Jesus as revealed to us in Scripture. Also, the question must be answered personally. It's not, it's not just, but it's not based on your personal opinion. You need to answer this question personally. You need to have an answer to this. You need to come to a conclusion. You need to look at this and say, I'm either going to, as C.S. Lewis says, take Jesus and cast him off as a lunatic, or I'm going to believe in Jesus as Lord. There, he, Jesus doesn't leave us middle ground with that. He doesn't leave us in a place where we can stand on the fence and be neutral and just say, well, because Jesus made some statements about himself that if they are true, then he is God in the flesh. And if they are false, he is the most destructive liar ever to be present and be on the world stage. Because Jesus, this, this man, Jesus of Nazareth, has radically changed the entire world, changed worldviews of different cultures, different religions, this man, Jesus, has been so influential on the world stage that if he is not who he says he is, then he was one of the most worst, crazy, lunatics, evil people ever to walk the face of the earth. And so he doesn't leave us this middle ground because he comes out and says things like, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. He makes statements as though if you've seen me, you've seen God. He goes around forgiving people's sins. And, and that is just, if one of your friends came up to you today and started saying the things that Jesus said in the New Testament, if your friend just automatically or I came up to you and said, guess what? I, Paul Hobbs, am the only way to God. You, you would have reason to run, run as far away from me as you possibly can. If I came to you and said, unless I forgive your sins, you are in your sins eternally. That would be an outlandish statement. Lock me up in some sort of institution because I've totally lost my mind. But yet, gee, that's what Jesus was doing. And in fact, at one point in the gospel story, um, Mary and Jesus' siblings thought that he had indeed lost his mind. His family thought he was nuts. And so when Jesus was going around saying these things, they thought in their mind, oh my goodness, my, Mary thought my son has lost his mind and his siblings, my brother has lost his mind. And they all came to understand Jesus was actually telling the truth because of what he said himself was substantiated by the evidence. And that's our next observation, that the revealed answer about Jesus, the revealed answer that he gave was substantiated by the prophets that came before him who spoke of the Messiah and who spoke of the nature of the Messiah, the work of the Messiah, the timing and the situation and the context of the Messiah, and Jesus filled every single one of those Old Testament prophecies. And also in his personal testimony, which I've alluded to and spoken to already. So in his personal testimony, he says of who he says about himself. And then third and final, the one that cinched it, the one that clinched it without this last one. If it wasn't for this one, Paul says that in 1 Corinthians 15, that we would all be lost and we would be of most people pitiable. We would be the most pitiable people on the face of the planet, those of us that follow Jesus, if it wasn't for his death and resurrection. So everything that the prophets said and everything that Jesus said all found its evidence of being true in his death and resurrection. And all of the evidence points to the reality, the historical fact, 
that Jesus did in fact raise from the dead. And that was the time in which Jesus proved who he was, that everything that he said about himself, everything that the prophets have ever said was now true. And those that thought he had lost his mind and gone nuts were now worshiping him as Lord and as God in the flesh. And so as we look at the identity of Jesus, he's saying, the reason that I'm forming this body, the reason that I'm establishing this ecclesia, this church, is that I'm calling people out of a worldly existence and into a life based upon the identity of Jesus Christ. And so when he makes this statement of building his church on this reality of his identity, he's making sure that you understand what the world says he is and what people say he is, but then he's calling you to make a personal decision based upon the evidence, based upon the prophets, based upon his personal testimony, based upon his death and resurrection, and then your life stems from that place of Jesus' identity. And from the place of Jesus' identity, our identity is being formed as loved children of God, saved and redeemed and given eternal life. That's who we become. And together as the church, we build and promote and we grow in that. And we grow in the maturity of that, which we'll talk about in a little while and in a few weeks. But our identity being based in Jesus. And then the final observation is this, that as Jesus builds his church on the foundation of his identity, he will not fail. He won't. There isn't a virus that's going to take the church out. There isn't an ideology. There isn't a politician. There isn't a worldview. There isn't a government. There isn't a, a devil. There isn't a demon. There isn't anything that's going to stop Jesus from being successful in building his church. And so as we build our identity on the identity of Jesus, he's saying that in order for people to do that, I've instituted this church, this body of Christ, this ecclesia to help people do just that. So my question for you this week is this. Have you answered Jesus' question, who do you say that he is? Have you answered that question? If you have, if you've come to any sort of conclusion about Jesus, I have three subsequent questions to that one. I would ask you this. What is the basis for your answer? How do you know that you are right in who you think Jesus is? Is the basis for your answer Old Testament prophets, personal testimony of Jesus, and the evidence surrounding the death and resurrection? Is that what you're basing your identity, your, your opinion of Jesus is? Is that how you're determining who he is, or are you making up one on your own? A second question would be this. Is your life consistent with your answer? A third question. What changes can you make in 2021 that will help you better align your life with the identity of Jesus? That's right, That piece right there, that question, is the work of the church. That every message that we preach, every song that we sing, every group meeting that we have, every Bible study, every outreach, every fun event, everything that we do as the Retreat Church is all about helping people better align their life with the identity of Jesus. Because Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, he said that he would build his church on his identity as Christ, the Son of God. God bless you. We'll see you next time.